You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Gosh, what I was going to say, I don't know whether I'm going to say it, because I think I'll say something else, but the presence of God in the room as we worship this morning, I just, I don't know, like... I think for, for, for some of you, some of it is going to shift this morning and quite significantly, I think he's calling us into a depth of surrender and sacrifice. Maybe that some of you have never known or experienced. Some of you, I think that is giving your life to Jesus for the first time. For some of you, though, I think it's like there's, there's been obstacles of like fear and doubt and um, frustration and pain of prior experience and environments you've been in that has caused you just to like slightly recoil and go... I can't go again. I'm, I'm kind of, I've done it and I got a bit burnt or a bit hurt. And I think he's just calling you into going again. The cross demands everything and not just a momentary decision, but a lifestyle of sacrifice and surrender to see the fullness of what he wants to do in you and through you. And it's not, it's not an us thing, it's a him thing. And it's saying yes. And I think there's a significant moment of surrender for a number of you this morning. And I just want to ask you, to grab that and to dwell on that and not neglect it. Do something about it. Let there be a, 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 a heart change, a mindset change, a lifestyle change that we step into. Steph? Never done this before. Just interrupted Paul. Um, <laughs> okay, Paul says me I've done that many a time. But anyway, um, as we were talking, I just felt, yeah, it just totally, totally resonates. And I feel like... Um, on the other side of surrender is is breakthrough, is freedom. And um, I won't go into all the details, but I've had quite the week. And so much of this week has been about pushing back the darkness and reclaiming unlawfully occupied territory. And I think that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to start pushing back the darkness and we're going to reclaim some of that territory and surrender our lives again to Jesus. So, um, so we're sort of in, in keeping and, and sort of building on what Paul just said. So um, anyway, it was just bubbling over. I had to just come and grab the mic. Maybe I should just preach this morning. No. Maybe you should. Maybe you should. Let's, let's just pray just for a moment. Father, Lord, we're done with religion. I'm, I'm done with lip service. I'm done with it trying to look good or look right for the sake of what others think. I'm done with being part of that expression of the church. Lord, we just want you and a surrender and a sacrifice to you and an offering that is pleasing for you. Lord, and I pray therefore that we would confess our sins, that we would press through our doubts and our insecurities, that we would say that we believe, but where there is unbelief in us that you would help us believe. Lord, that we would overcome our scepticism and our, our Western stiff up a lip, whatever that even is, and that we'd say we're in. With a sacrifice and a commitment and a dependence to the kingdom that would cost us everything, because it cost you everything, but that it is totally worth it. Because what you want is our hearts and our minds surrendered to you. So Lord, I, I just pray for an outpouring and a breaking in of your spirit this morning that would cause us just to say yes whatever it is and whatever it looks like, and that we deal with our stuff that gets between us and you. And then we'd go again, Lord, for some of us where we've got burnt and hurt and restricted and held back and there's scar tissue and there's pain, that we'd go again. Spirit of God, do what you want to do. This is your church. This is your people. But we that starts with us saying, my heart is yours. All over again. 
Come, Lord. I just, I, I think um, you're meant to be in the room. That's all I want to say. It's not a mistake or a coincidence that you're in the room. Amen. Gosh, we don't do hype in the vineyard. Listen, uh, we're, we're, in a, we're in a season of accelerated growth at the minute. It's quite exciting. We, when we came back to Sunday's post, the intensity of lockdown and some of the restrictions, we launched um, Crash immediately. And um, it's kind of a bit of an understatement to say that that's gone remarkably well. And I just want to say, uh, Bex has done a phenomenal job, as have all of the kids' groups. And as ever, it's not just childcare. In fact, it's not childcare at all. They call it kids' church. It's like trying to have age-appropriate discipleship. And it's a, it's a joy to hear some of the stories of what God is doing in them and among them and to hear them, uh, even some of the youngest ones being prayed for and worshipping together. It's also a joy to hear the connection point that that's provided for many of you, particularly as some of you have walked through the complexities of having young children um, through a pandemic. Uh, what's, what's fascinating is the crash is, has grown to the point where we need to multiply it. And I was going to say we intend to do that quite rapidly. What I think is funny is they've already done it. Um, they did it this morning. So I was going to say we don't want to wait until September. I think there's an influx of new people. We need to uh, grow the infrastructure to facilitate that and to grow. The hope I was going to say over the next few weeks would be to do two things. The fascinating thing is they've already done it. Um, one is to create a dedicated uh, crush room to invest in the young lives of those smaller ones. Uh, just create an environment where there's less people coming and going. It's highly distracting when a parent comes in and goes. It can upset them or unsettle them, but equally, we want to up the investment. Just because they're young doesn't mean you wait. Actually, we want to give them everything we've got now. The second one, therefore, is to create a dedicated space for those um, of an age where they're a bit more in and out. They're not quite settling into crash, but actually the parent also wants to be with them. Um, and it's not just to create the room, it's to have people in there who would invest in those parents in there as well. Like that might be their first time in church, it might be first time in a vineyard environment, and we want to lean in with vision and values. We want to lean in with investment to welcome them well, and to also acknowledge that this space at that stage in your life is quite a hard space to step into. And so often they'll be in that space, but we want to give them equal um, investment. And so uh, you kind of want to create the hybrid, and to do that well, we need to expand the crush team, which in turn, actually, will also create a bit more space in here. Some of you might be like, well, why would you do that? Well, in the days ahead, we're going to need to do that. Um, we need to create a bit of back pressure for the, the heart and the dream and the vision that we shared in the vision talk for expanding across this city. So I guess I wanted to start this morning with a, a couple of invitations for some of you guys. Firstly, are you able to join the crash team to help facilitate that growth? That is a specific person. Um, you, you need a DBS and blah, blah, blah. The second one is, are you able to join another team to free somebody up who might be able to serve on the crash team? And the third one will, would be this, are you yet to join a team? Because honestly, I'd say it's one of the joys that we have to come and know, be known and grown, to give rather than receive and to be part of a growing family and community. And to do that, join a team. So it's exciting. It's an exciting stage, just even seeing some of you with children of that age just be able to breathe again and to be incorporated uh, into family in this way is a very exciting thing. It just means we come to the family table and we all step up and step in for what the Lord's doing. So uh, come and be a guest rather than a host. We, we never want to create something where it's an, an event to attend. It's a, it's a community to be part of. So you can chat with the guys, chat with the team, chat with the... The, the welcome team, but we want to facilitate what the Father is pouring out 
over us in this season. And uh, we want to be faithful stewards of it. Um, yeah, hopefully that's helpful to share that. Let me just roll on, though, with what I was going to share this morning. Um, most people, I don't know if you found this, they want to be great at what they do. Whatever their skill or their job or the thing they're doing, whether it's a hobby or whatever, you want to be great at it. Of course you do, because you don't want to do it badly. So there's an element on all of us that we, we want to be great. And I don't know if you've noticed, but kind of every book under the sun has been written about this kind of thing, how you can become master in your field or how you can increase your impact or maximize your, your influence. And I think most of us, when you turn your hands to something, you try and do it well. Well, I, I love gadgets and I love things that make my life slightly easier. So in our old house, and most of you are going to look at me now like I'm a little bit odd, but in our old house, uh, we had one of those loft hatches where you kind of, you push it up and you stand on a chair and then dangle on a ladder to try and get into the thing. And with the ladder we had at the time was like one of those A-frame ones. And that was in the garage which meant going down the stairs, out the front door, into the garage, getting the ladder, coming all the way back up the stairs, which is like not the kind of thing I would want to do. I, I'm like, I need to find a solution to this thing. So I set up, um, <laughs> it's a bit embarrassing now, I set up like a pulley system, basically, where the, the, the ladder laid on the loft floor, and then there was a pulley and a few ropes and all of this. And so basically, I had a, I had a pulley where you pulled it and it lifted up the loft, ha- loft hatch. Then I had another pulley that basically just pulled the ladder into position and lowered it through the loft hatch um, so you didn't have to dangle on a chair. Now, some would say genius. Most would say, you're a bit odd. Uh, You're a nutter. Now, it was only when the guy came round because we had wasps in the loft and uh, this council guy came round and he's like, do you have a loft ladder? And I'm like, oh, yes, we do. (laughs) And um, I showed him, well, it it didn't really wait because there's wasps everywhere. I just kind of did the thing and this contraption and then I saw his face and I was like we kind of got a bit of a problem here like you think I'm really I need help basically and uh, anyway it, it was a beautiful thing but um, when we moved into the house that we live in now, I, somebody enlightened me. There's just a different way of doing things. Like, I just went to Argos and got one of those ladders that just comes down. <laughs> and um, it's amazing. But, you know, sometimes, I guess what I want to say is sometimes we need to shift in the thing we're doing. Because we think we're doing it well. And we think we've come up with something that is remarkable. But we've just got used to doing something that isn't really the way of doing it or the way that it needs to be. And we're, we're in the middle of a series called It Takes a Village. And for some of you um, who are new in the room, kind of what I'm trying to do is to lean into two things. One is intentionally speaking into parenting, and the second one is intentionally speaking into raising spiritual sons and daughters, which I think we all get to do and should do. The thing is, we often just get stuck in a way of doing something that we maybe think is good until we step back and we see another way of doing it. And that's kind of what I want to speak on a little bit this morning. I guess one of the questions I think we'd, we should ask ourselves over this whole thing is, how do we do this well? How do we do it the best we can do it? How do we become great parents? How do we become great spiritual parents? Have we become stuck in a way of doing something that needs to be tweaked. And I guess I want to suggest this this morning. To be great parents, to be great spiritual parents, the posture we need to take and adopt is one of being a great servant. Greatness is found in replacing the selfish choice with the servant choice. Let me just read Matthew 20, 26. says this, Among you, it will be different. Among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's so easy to think, I've worked so hard, I've given so much to so many, therefore at home I can relax and I can kick back. And I guess I want to say actually the opposite is true. At home you're given one of the most important tasks and responsibilities to be a servant. Now to some of you who are parents that may sound incredibly draining. You know if you come here already weary to hear me say that 
is, is quite draining. But I guess I want to suggest that there needs to be a perspective shift. And actually that in itself may energise you. Before we kind of delve in, let's just consider the word servant. Because Jesus isn't talking about something that is forced onto people. That would be a slave, not a servant. He's talking about a choice that gets to be made by the individual. And if you break it down to its core, he's talking about giving up our selfishness in order to serve somebody else. And to be a servant, we've got to do a number of things. But the first thing I wanted to look at is, is kind of giving up your selfishness to meet the needs of the other. Uh, of the other. And, and Jesus served to, to meet needs, not to satisfy wants. To meet needs, not to satisfy wants. I think there's a big difference. I'm going to unpick five things this morning that I think are helpful for us as we consider serving, serving our children, serving our spiritual children. And in, in the first, I guess, there's two key things about serving your children I want to reflect on. And that's it's, it's how you provide for them and then it's how you protect them. Provide and protect. That's the first thing we're going to delve into. Psalm 104 is just a phenomenal picture of a provider. I don't want to read the whole thing because of time, but honestly, I'd say dig into it because it's an outpouring of provision. Here's a snapshot in verse 10. It says, you make springs of waters into the ravines. So streams gush down from the mountains. They provide water for all the animals and the wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds nest beside the streams and sing among the branches of the trees. You send rain on the mountains from your heavenly home. You fill the earth with the fruit of your labor. You cause grass to grow for the livestock and plants for people to use. You allow them to produce food from the earth, wine to make them glad, olive oil to soothe their skin, and bread to give them strength. And for some of you, all of that has become a really hard graft. It's become a thankless task, not just for your children, but for your spiritual children. You've given out and given out and given out, and it's burdened you and it's wearied you, and you've received nothing back. And I guess I want to say, I want to value your value. I want to value what you've given because the Lord values it. And it's important you realize and you acknowledge what you've done and how you've done it is serving don't miss the significance of your serving. For some of you, that may have felt just like I'm just having a, providing a roof over their head or putting food in their stomach or books for their schooling or security for their future. That is all serving. You are a faithful servant. And it's exactly the same with spiritual parenting. What you are giving out is significant. Don't devalue it or undervalue it because God is a, prov a provider. That's his nature. That's who he is. And you are providing on his behalf. And whilst I'm on this just as a side point, I think it's really important we teach our child and our children to give. Serving is giving, but actually wrapped up within that is the, the principle of financial giving. As a general rule, I'd say the earlier you teach your children that, and to understand that, the easier it is for them as they become an adult. Because children have to depend on their parents, therefore it's actually quite an easy principle for them to adopt and to depend on God, because they're used to depending on something beyond themselves. It becomes harder, I guess you would have found this, I've found this, it becomes harder as you become more independent. And I am deeply, deeply, deeply grateful that I absorbed something from my mum around the concept of financially giving to the church. I've, I've never had to question it. I guess the only thing I've ever had to work out is how much to give. But even that was modelled to me because what I saw was you just give it all. And as a result, some of my early childhood experiences would actually be seeing miracles like remarkable miracles financially. And I'm deeply grateful our children have had the same privilege because what they often see is you get to hold up the loaves and the fish and you give it all. And in that moment, the Lord does something remarkable. And in 20, 30 years, I dare say they will be some of the stories that they pass on and import as, uh, and impart as I have with my own childhood. We have to help our children have giving as part of their worship. It's foundational and it's fundamental and it's ingrained 
on on my heart, even just, you know, we did the giving campaign. Some of you were here for 422. One of the children gave up computer games and chose instead to give their money to that project. Stuff like that is remarkable for them to do at a young age because God is a provider and we're going to see him provide as we serve and we don't do it out of a posture of it being a chore and we don't do it because we have to. We teach our children and we teach our children's children something remarkably important. Serving is providing. Serving is also protecting. God is a protector. So when you're protecting your children or your spiritual children, you're serving like God does. Sometimes I think particularly with spiritual children, we get to step into this place where we, we protect them by them not taking the full brunt of a hit that may be coming to them. Sometimes we can take it instead. Some of the simplest acts of service often then become some of the greatest acts. Jesus taught us the truth when he washed the disciples' feet. We see it in John 13. In Jesus' day, washing feet, it wasn't just like a ceremony, like a religious act that we often see it now. It was done because people's feet got remarkably dirty in that culture. And when everyone else was too caught up in themselves to take the time to wash everybody's feet, when everyone else thought it was above them, I thought it was beyond them, and it should be someone else doing it. Jesus takes the bowl and the, the basin and the towel, and he washes their feet, and he says this, John 13, 15, I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. He wasn't talking about, well, he was, but it wasn't necessarily the root of it, wasn't talking about washing feet. He's talking about serving others and meeting practical needs and that's exactly the heart that he longs to cultivate in us it's going beyond the task it's going beyond something that to you might just feel as menial or belittling how seemingly insignificant or unimportant it is just the yet another nappy change yet another night feed yet another person in small group who is literally i'm pouring into them and pain is just coming out and they're expecting me to be positive and it's sucking me dry yet another moment where i'm having to be a friend and care and show concern and i'm getting nothing in return i think we have to see beyond all of that and say i'm literally just doing as Jesus did. I'm willing and longing to serve that person. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. And the platform of serving and protecting gives you the foundation and the opportunity to lead them towards their own relationship with Jesus and ultimately lead them towards faith. If there's anything more fulfilling in life, I don't know what it is then the opportunity to lead your children or your spiritual children towards Jesus. And I want to say, you've honestly got a role to play in that. You've got an opportunity to shape eternity. Throughout the Bible, there's some incredibly powerful stuff about all of this. And you could kind of miss it if you, if you blink. There's no like red carpet rolled out for it, or there's no big platform or profile moment. It's just quiet parents faithfully serving in the background. I don't know if you've ever noticed that about some of the parents in the Bible. There's no big, like, razzmatazz clapping moment. Mark, who wrote the book of Mark, without a doubt, was influenced by his mother, Mary. Acts 12, 12, when he realized this, he went home. He went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. The early church met in his mum's house. You know, there's some... Evidence that the disciples gathered with Jesus in that house and shared the Lord's Supper. Alexander and Rufus, two brothers who were leaders in the early church in Rome, you can find it in Mark 15 and Romans 16, they had parents who were of spiritual influence and significance in their lives. We don't know a lot about them but we do know the significance of what they carried. Their father was Simon. Simon, who was the guy who was pressed ganged into carrying Jesus' cross in Matthew 27. His life and heart were changed that day in a dramatic way that had a spiritual impact on his family. We don't know the two lads' mother's name, yet we do know that she was praised by Paul as someone who had been like a mother 
to him. Spiritual parenting, but also parenting to their own children. You may not have had parents who laid the way for you in that way. If you did, praise God. Honestly, I champion that and I cheer that on. But if you haven't had, you get to step into that moment and to be that for others for your children, for your spiritual children. As we look at the lives of people of faith in the Bible, we often see the impact of those people of faith. The mother and the grandmother of Timothy, an early church leader, gave him the gift of faith as a child. It's profound, the influence and the impact that you can make. The man in charge of the jail at Philippi was led to faith by his prisoners, Paul and Barnabas, and they immediately then led his entire family to faith in Jesus as well. When you have genuine faith, you will naturally influence your children towards general, genuine faith in their lives too. I've said it so many times in this series, but honestly, I think it's so important. Parents that treat the church as optional should not be surprised when their children treat Jesus as unnecessary. It will just be an overflow. But when you have genuine faith, the natural overflow will be that that will influence your children towards genuine faith in their lives. As much as we know that as a truth, I know that's not how we always posture our lives because we so easily get caught up in the everyday. We get caught up in the stuff we've got to do, in the washing, the homework, the interactions, the busyness. I don't quite have time for them and their needs and to interact and relate to others. But we, if we can lift our eyes just slightly above the daily realities and consider the eternal realities, I think it would shift our perspective and how we then live. We need to show and share our faith with our children and our spiritual children. Therefore, we, we've, we've got to know what we're showing and sharing. What does that look like? Because of the impact it's going to have. And every moment is a moment to teach them about Jesus. I remember when I was really ill uh, a year or so ago, we, we had an amazing moment to teach our children to look to Jesus and how he heals. You know, when you see somebody be generous, you've got an amazing moment to teach them what you've just experienced in that generosity and how then you can talk about generosity. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, and we could go on forever in a day, is every moment in your life is an opportunity to teach somebody. And we need to see that and, and to speak into that, constantly finding ways to speak about Jesus. You know, there's this little song, many of you will have heard of it. I... Um, I don't know, sometimes a song just grabs your heart, doesn't it? And uh, there's this little one called Talking to Jesus. And I've listened to it literally on repeat because it just speaks so much into my lives. It says, it says this, Grandma used to pray out loud by her bed every night to me. It sounded like mumbling, like she was out of her mind. She said, boy, this kind of praying, it's what saved my life. You ought to try it sometime. I now know she was right. She was talking to Jesus. She's been talking to Jesus for all of her life. Mama used to drag me to church Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. Khaki pants and a polo shirt. Boy, I put up a fight. She said, son, one day you'll thank me for having God in your life. And yeah, I know she was right. Yeah, my mama was right because now I'm talking to Jesus. She got me talking to Jesus. Yeah, I love talking to Jesus and I'll be talking to Jesus for the rest of my life. What a friend we have found in Jesus. I've got three of my own now, trying to raise them up right. My oldest is 15 and I remember what it was like, trying to deal with the drama and trying to figure out the questions in life. I'd been looking for a way to show him how to make it all right. He walked into my room while I was saying my prayers the other night. He said, I'll come back later. I can tell you've got a lot on your mind. I said, it's not an interruption. You couldn't have picked a better time because I was talking to Jesus. Come over and try it. And we started talking to Jesus and now he's talking to Jesus. Thank God he's talking to Jesus. I hope he's talking to Jesus for the rest of his life. There's no right way to do it and there's no bad time to start. It doesn't have to sound pretty just telling what's on your heart because it's not a religion. It's more like a friendship. Just talk to your father like you are his kids. Just start talking to Jesus. You can talk to Jesus whenever you like. So powerful 
to step into those moments of legacy and handing something on. I guess I also just want to encourage you in this moment, there will be people in this room who have had a powerful, significant impact on your spiritual life. Tell them, because it will really deeply encourage them. Step into that moment. Don't miss it and let them know. And also don't miss the greatest thing or well, the greatest chance of the thing you ever get to do. Go, don't, don't get so caught up in the stuff that is fighting for your attention, the job, the routines, the work stuff, all of that. Don't miss the opportunity to share Jesus with other people. I don't want to look back in 20 years and be like, oh, I was so caught in this thing that the moment I had or the openness that you showed me I missed to step into. Talk to each other. Talk to your children about Jesus. I said this previously in the series but one of the greatest privileges i think we get to do is we get to celebrate stuff birthdays and firsts and compassionate hearts and we celebrate anything and everything that can be celebrated a celebration of a mum and dad are actually really significant to the core of a child's soul and so is the same with spiritual parenting you know i love it when i hear of a small group where they've turned an evening over to celebrate in somebody's birthday or someone's got a job or they've they've moved house or whatever it is because we celebrate stuff as as almost spiritual investment and parents but as much as we do that please do not miss the opportunity to celebrate faith Surely that's the thing we're about. Luke 15, verse 7. Rejoice with me because I found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Think of the power of the Father celebrating in heaven. It's incredible. Don't miss the opportunity to do that on earth because we rejoice in and we celebrate faith. It's one of the most powerful and precious ways you can serve your children and spiritual children. And if, if no one has ever done that in your life, which may be the case, can I just take a moment to do that? I celebrate your faith. Some of you are literally here this morning and you're hanging on by a thread. Some of you are trying to work out if you even have a faith and you're exploring. I just want to celebrate the fact that you're here that you're trying, that you're doing your best, that you're giving your best, that you're trying to learn and discover. And if you weren't in a position to celebrate, if you didn't have parents who were in a position to celebrate your faith or never had, let, let me just pause and just celebrate your faith. What a precious, precious thing. You might think it's only faith as small as a mustard seed, but I tell you that faith in Jesus can move mountains. I celebrate your faith. He says, rejoice with me. That's the, the cry and the declaration of a father. We rejoice with him. He rejoices and he rejoices over you because he's found <clears throat> a lost sheep. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. How do we serve our children where we protect and we provide, we lead them towards faith? Another way you can serve them is by praying for them. Consider just the truth in these few passages. Romans 8, 26, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Colossians 1.9, so we've not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you, and we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. John 17.15, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. 1 Samuel 12, 23, as for me, I will certainly not sin against the Lord by ending my prayers for you. I will continue to teach you what is good and right. I got to be honest, that last one grabbed me around the throat. I don't want to sin by stopping praying for, for my spiritual children and my children. I, I don't want to condemn you, but the Bible says, Whatever I do that is not faith is sin. That's kind of a big deal. Romans 14, 23, if you do anything you believe is not right, you're sinning. So when I fail to pray, it's often an indication that I'm depending on my own power, on my own self rather than on God. 
not necessarily because I intended to, but sometimes because I forgot or because I hadn't taken the time to focus on him. And I don't want to let my busyness in the day-to-day cause me to miss to talk with my father about my children and spiritual children because it's so important and it's so powerful and it's life transformation. Matthew 26, verse 40. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? You know, we've got to get a rhythm in our life that helps us to step into the place of prayer. I don't know, if you set a daily alarm, that just when that alarm goes off, you pray for your children or your spiritual children. I just can I give you a quick few reflections of things that might help you. One I do is I journal my prayers. It helps me not just think of immediate things but it helps you think slightly longer term it allow you to invest those prayers in something beyond just the immediate but actually into something that is uh, physical maybe social maybe spiritual but you, you start planning ahead for people it'll also allow you to celebrate answered prayers the second one would be um pray throughout the day i'm not that great at the sit down dedicated times of prayer because that, to me, often just becomes a list rather than a relationship. So I'll often pray for my children at certain times of the day. I, I think of things they'll be doing. They'll be in the lunch hall or they'll be moving between lessons or they'll be in the first break. And there's the same for some of you, I think. This is what I think you might be doing. You might be on the bus. You might be traveling to work. You might be whatever it is. Almost use those moments to pray throughout the day, but then use triggers as reminders Maybe it is just me, but I'm, I forget so easily. So I have to have triggers, and I almost teach myself some of those triggers every time I open the car door. Every time I pick up the food shop in, I'll pray for 422. And I remember people who don't have food in the city. Every time I turn the heating up, I'll be like, I have the privilege of heating, but I'll pray for those in the city that don't, and not just pray for it, seek ways to step into doing something about it. Once I drop the kids at school, I get 10 minutes in the car by myself and that's when I pray for stuff that I know you're doing I'll be praying for some of our leaders and some of our small group leaders and when I then go to pick them up I'll pray for something else and I want to know I'm like grilling them I want to know names of kids they played with played played with that day not because I'm being overly inquisitive but I want to pray for them and I want to pray for their friends and I want to pray for their parents by name Another, another thing I'd say is regularly pray with others. They do prayer gatherings here, but join others and pray. And the fifth one, I think this is incredibly powerful, is pray Bible verses. Pray, pray truth over your children and over your spiritual children. Colossians 1.9. So we've not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. I pray that over you and I pray that over our children that you would have complete knowledge of his will, that you would stand in spiritual wisdom and have understanding that the way you live would honor and please the Lord, producing every kind of good fruit. You will serve your children by praying for them. Honestly, some of you will just need the reminder of, honestly, that's a responsibility we have and we need to carry. We provide and protect. We lead them towards faith. We pray for them. The fourth one is this. We encourage spiritual growth. You cannot cause growth, but you can encourage it. We looked at this the other week, but Ephesians 6, 4, God encourages us to serve our children by encouraging their spiritual growth. It says that you bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. It's kind of like, I don't really know this because I don't really do it, but I guess it's like trying to grow a plant. You can't actually make it grow but there are things that you can do that are going to encourage it and help it. You've got a part to play in the growth and the investment of your children and spiritual children. Let me just share a few things I think that I would suggest you, you therefore need to do consistently to encourage that growth. The first one is help them to be a member of God's family. Honestly, there's people in this room that need help to be part of a church community. It doesn't come naturally or easily to them 
It's the same principle I shared earlier, that if we treat the church as optional, we shouldn't be surprised when our children treat, treat Jesus as unnecessary. We've got to help people to do that. The second one is we help people to mature in their faith. How do we do that? By developing habits and practices. The third one, we help people minister to others. How do we do that? Well, so often it's through hospitality. We help meet other people's needs practically. The fourth one is we've got to help them have a mission in the world. Well, even conversations we have with each other, I don't want to just see my own reality and my own life. I want, to, I want them to see something far bigger and far wider, something that God is doing in a, in a bigger picture. And the fifth one is we teach them how to worship. You know, worship is more than just singing, but it's finding that we praise God in the highs and the lows of life. That will have a deep, profound, and huge impact on their lives. Jeremiah 16, 19. Lord, you are my strength and fortress, my refuge in my day of trouble, in hardship. Is that the cry of their hearts? And then Psalm 9, 1, I'll praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all the marvelous things you have done, whether in a place of delight or hardship, joy or sorrow. Would it be the overflow of our heart is worship and we teach others how to worship? You will serve them by investing in that spiritual growth. If we, if we build... On, on the sand, it's going to be destroyed. But if we build on rock, we build on a tower, we build on a foundation, we help build them up and set them up for all that could be ahead. Investing in that way and involving yourself in that way is a phenomenal honor and privilege. But also it is hard. You kind of need the, you need the, the not the pep talk, you need the reminder to keep and continue doing good works. Don't neglect it. Don't step aside from it. We looked at four things. Let me just pick up on the final one. The final one is this, trying to reveal truth along the way. Deuteronomy 11, verse 18, we started the series looking at this. It said, so commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. You kind of got to reflect on the, the significance of that because what does that actually look like to do that? I think there's a few things we've got to do with the Bible. We've got to verbalize it, we've got to memorize it, and we've got to symbolize it. Okay, so verbalize is this, teach them to your children. You've got to talk about them. We've actually got to get it out there. We've got to get it in conversation. Talk about his word at different times of the day. How you end the day is important. Who do, who do, how do you end the day currently? Does it just drift or just drop someone a text of encouragement? Bring, bring something of the truth of God's word. We learn God's word in the midst of life. We learn things here, yeah, on a Sunday, but actually it's in the day-to-day -day reality of life that people around us see the love and the attitudes and the lifestyle. So we've got to bring the word of God to bear on that. And I reckon for all of us, it can't just be me. We've got to up how we do that. At meals, in the car, in the morning, in the evening, I'm praying that you will have the wisdom to see those teachable moments and opportunities to talk about God's word in whatever moment presents itself. One of the ways we, we verbalize things is I think we tell stories, just constantly telling stories of what God has done, is doing, and stories of the Bible. And as they hear those stories, the character of God starts to come to life. The second one is we, we memorize God's word. Do you, do you have... This is like almost culturally not said anymore, but do you have a Bible? I honestly don't think the phone Bible does it in the same way. Memorization is one of the core muscles of the mind. As a habit, it seems to be becoming a thing of the past and it, it just can't. We've got to grab this again. I still stand on truth of the Bible that I learned as a young child. Even at the time, I didn't fully realize the significance and the impact. Songs that helped me and taught me to memorize it. I just want to say, take the opportunity while it's there. Personally, for others, encourage others to memorize it. And the third one is this, symbolize God's word. Deuteronomy 6, 8, tie them to your hands, wear them on your forehead as reminders, write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. I'm not... Well, it might be for you, but I'm not talking about tattoos, but 
what the point is this. You've got to symbolize God's word is carried with us throughout the day. Find whatever method and means you can to draw the Bible to the forefront of your mind and other people's minds. Because as you verbalize, memorize, and symbolize, you're given a gift that will outlive you. You're given a gift that is for a lifetime. Long after the other things that we do and say fade, verses turn into faith and hope and love, and it grows in their minds. So it's provide and protect, lead them towards faith, find ways to pray for them and teach them to pray, encourage spiritual growth. And the final one is just keep finding ways to reveal truth. I think there are ways we serve each other. We serve this church and we serve this city. And wrapped up in that is honestly, it's kind of where I started talking about crash. We join teams. We serve I want to do what he did. I want to be often and so often where you see the miraculous and we see that so many times in the Bible is it was the servants that got to see the stuff that Jesus did and how he multiplied and increased things. Literally every time it was the position of the servant and the heart posture of the servant that God saw the Lord break in. I've given you an example to follow John thirteen fifteen. Do as I have done to you. Should we stand together? Let's just, let's just take a moment. If you're new in this space, we're just going to rest and wait on the Spirit of God. I'd encourage you to do whatever's going to help that. It might be to close your eyes so that you're not distracted by the person around you. Spirit of God, we welcome you. There's a... There's a few things I think the Lord is stirring in us and in this room. It's that whole thing in in worship just about saying yes and surrendering. I think that comes out of a heart of serving and deferring and preferring others. And I think some of you have become a bit battle weary a bit tired, a bit bruised. People have pushed back and said and done things that cause scar tissue. I was kind of going to ask you to go again. It's a moment of choice and a moment of stepping into forgiveness I think some of you I think um, you don't fully know why it's just you just feel the Lord stirring something in you this morning it's like the spirit of God is bubbling up within you you, you, you don't have language for it but he's just stirring something some of you I think this might even surprise you because you don't fully have words for it, but it's like he's asking you to surrender your life to him for the first time. And I think that's a really simple thing to do. The Bible just says if you believe in your mind and confess in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, it's just a very simple turning. Lord, I'm sorry for the way I lived. I turn from that and I now want to choose you. Forgive me and I invite you through the power of your spirit to live in me. I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. Kind of sang about it this morning, but it's in the presence of Jesus, darkness trembles. I just feel like for some of you, there is, there is stuff this morning that needs to come face to face with Jesus. Burdens, fears, anxieties, troubles. health concerns well I don't know those of you that can can just sense that the Holy Spirit is resting upon you and doing something in you that just come come forward won't you respond first I think there's probably going to be a number of waves of what the Holy Spirit does among us this morning so why don't you just come and come to the sides or the front now there's quite a number of you don't let your soul or your spirit get shy on you this is the moment to 
press in, press into his presence. There's power in this room. The, the, the power of God is, is here. He is among us. He longs to meet us. He longs to bring us into freedom and breakthrough. We've just got to fall, just fall before him, surrender our lives to him. Oh yeah, I just have a sense, uh, there's a couple of you where that, that's almost like a literal thing. You can kind of feel yourself almost leaning forward, like you've got a slight sensation of being slightly unsteady or even tumbling. And I think the Lord is asking you for just a new level of surrender and dependence this morning. There's a couple of women waiting on, the, on this side to be prayed for. So if you're in a small group in the life of the church and you're available to pray... Let's not leave these people waiting long. Let's just become really comfortable with the presence of God. Some of you have not been in environments like this before. The Holy Spirit is a person. He moves among us. We feel his presence. Well, we welcome you. Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.